Today, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ruth. We're going to be in the book of Ruth as we start a new series called Brave. We're going to look at some courageous women of the Bible. We're not going to just, this isn't going to be a series just for women or about women, but we're going to look at some of the stories of uh, prominent women in Scripture and uh, what God does, how, uh, how they respond to Christ, how they respond to God and the circumstances they're in and, and what we can learn from them as well. So I hope you'll enjoy that today. We're going to talk about about Naomi. Before we do, let me start with a little Mother's Day joke. I think you guys will appreciate this, you moms. Here we go. Son, do you know the difference, the son said, between a pack of cookies and a pack of elephants? It's what he asked his dad. Dad, do you know the difference between a pack of cookies and a pack of elephants? And the dad said, no. And the son said, then it's a good thing mom does the grocery shopping. It's probably... way most of us feel. Amen? All right, we'll stop there. Ruth, chapter one. We're going to talk about the whole story of Ruth. Say the whole story in one Sunday. And we have like 20 minutes to do it. So just hold on. Keep your Bible in front of you. We're going to go through this story and we're going to skip a few chapters. And that's okay because I'm the pastor. I said it's all right today. All right. So we're going to start with chapter one. We're going to read most of it. We're going to go a little, we're going to skip chapter two and three. We're going to skip over to chapter four. We're going to hear the story of Naomi, who is the main characters in the story are Naomi and Ruth. Ruth is normally the one highlighted. Today we're going to highlight Naomi and learn from her life. Naomi, chapter 1 of Ruth 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and, his son, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephaphrites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went to the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives, and the name of those was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. Both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So get the picture here. The setting's Bethlehem. What else happened in Bethlehem? Jesus' birth, right? Christmas time. Even if you don't, you may not be familiar with it, you know Bethlehem's the place where Jesus was born, all right? So this is the, the location, the place where this goes down. They are living there, and yet famine comes in the land, so they relocate. They head out, and they go to Moab, a new, new country to Moab, and there they're finding work, they're finding food. For some of you, you've, Midland Odessa is your Moab. You've come here for work, you've come here for food, right? Where you were from, where you moved from, they didn't have jobs, maybe they there was not enough opportunity. You came here for opportunity. So this may be your Moab in that sense. That's what they were doing. They're going to provide food. But once they get there, we see Naomi's husband, Elimelech, he dies. And not only does he die, the two sons that he has, they die as well. Now this is a tough decade, right? This is a mom who not only relocated to a new place, new friends, new everybody, then her husband dies once they get to this new place. And in that culture, your future, if you're a woman, your 401k, if you will, are your sons. So you want to have a bunch of sons and you want boys because they provide for you. Now in today's society, honestly, come on, you want girls, right? Because girls, are, they're just nicer in general than boys. And they're going to care about you and they're going to call and check them on you. But in this day, it was about boys. You wanted the boys. Now some of you boys are nice, but we'll, we'll deal with that on Father's Day, all right? And literally, 
Man, the, their whole future, her future was in Her sons died 10 years after her husband. After moving to a new place, this is a really, really tough decade for Naomi. Look what happened, verse seven. The famine ended in Jerusalem. She, she decides to go back to Bethlehem, her own town. Verse seven. So she set out from that place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi, but Naomi said to her, two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then he kissed, she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go your way for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night that, that could, should bear sons, would you therefore wait until we were grown? Now pause for a moment. The tradition was, if, if you married someone, then you married their brothers. But there's no brothers left. Both of the sons died, right? So how you would take care of a widow is she would then, the brother would marry the widow. That was the culture in the day. The brother married to bring him in to care for them. Now there's no more sons. So she's saying, I, I mean, I, I'm too old. I can't go have kids. And all the grandmothers said, well, what? Yeah, that's right. We're not going to go have that. 13. Would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law, Orpah. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave for you for, or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. And then Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her and said, no more. Now this is an amazing little passage here because these two daughter-in-laws are going to come with her and they both have good intentions, they're going to come. She releases them. Now it's unique for her to release them from the standpoint of, first you think, well she can't really care for them, that's true, but they're young and they could help care for her. And yet she selflessly, courageously, bravely releases them, go back, go back to your homes, go remarry. And this is unique in today's culture because how many of you know, Many of us like to, this is true even sometimes among the Christian world, if misery loves company, if we're down, everybody's going to be down. Come on, somebody. Right? If like, I got to mow the lawn, everyone's going to hear about it and know about it, right? <laughs> if I got to clean the house, well, I'm going to make a bad attitude and everybody's going to know I don't like cleaning the house. You know, like we like the misery loves company at work. I got to stay late. Well, you're staying late too. We're all staying late. <laughs> if I got to stay late, you're staying late. We're all just staying late. And this is the mentality many have. But here Naomi says, no, 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 that's not the mentality. She says, you go. There's bitterness upon me. There's things that are happening in my life. You go. Make your life better. Go pursue the things of God. I mean, this is what she releases them to do. And we see Ruth, the heroine of the story. If you're reading the book, she's the heroine of the story. She's the one that is faithful and strong. She stays with an Oprah, go uh, Orpah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Freudian slip. 
abandons her, you know, like Oprah does. So verse 19. So when the two of them went, they went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi, our long lost friend who left 10 years ago? Verse 10, she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt with me bitterly with me. And I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Lord Almighty has brought calamity upon me? This is a pivotal moment in the story because here they return home from 10 years in Moab and she doesn't have her husband and she doesn't have her sons and she has one daughter-in-law and literally she left empty, left full and came back empty. Ironically, actually there was no food there so she was actually empty when she was there, went to a place that was full and came back when it was full. That's a whole other story. Here we have Naomi. And the women said, it's Naomi. Now Naomi, Naomi, that name means pleasant one. Everyone say pleasant one. That means she's pleasant to be around. Pleasant one. So they go, pleasant one, you've come home. We're so glad that you're back. And her head is down and her eyes discouraged. And she says, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Now, if you'll remember, in Exodus chapter 15, the Israelites were just freed from slavery, and they came to a group of a place where there was water, and they tasted the water, and it was bitter. And they called that place Mara, which means bitter, bitterness. If you'll remember, though, the story in Exodus, what does God do? He changes the water from bitter to sweet. Little, little, little foretaste of what's to come in Naomi's life. She uses that word Mara. She knows the Exodus 15 story, I guarantee you. She knows this story. My life is bitter. God has given me bitterness and her bitterness was kind of towards God and her bitterness was around. And listen, she didn't bring her girls down with her, but the truth of the matter is there's real despair when you go through difficult circumstances. Isn't that true? Anybody live real life out here? You guys, real life, right? There's difficulty. You, you thought you married a knight in shining armor. Six months later, you're like, where'd my knight go? Right? You're, you're excited about the babies. You're excited about the kids. And then you have one that screams nonstop. Come on, somebody. And everyone's like, she's so cute. And you're like, you don't even know. <laughs> See, you used to be pleasant one. They used to say, Naomi, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so pleasant to be around. You're like, I ain't pleasant to be around. You don't know me, my life is mod. It's, it's bitterness, circumstances. And here, here's what happens, is Naomi defines and identifies herself by her circumstances, not by God. Now this is what we do too. Too often we define ourselves by our circumstances. We define ourselves by the trauma that happened to us, the difficulty that we're going through, how good of a mom we are, how bad of a mom we are, what we didn't do, all the things we failed at, all the things that our business that failed, our family that failed, a marriage that failed, whatever it is. We define ourselves by the circumstances around us. But listen, that's not how God defines us. 
that even just because you've identified yourself in that way or you're going through difficult circumstances, legitimate difficult circumstances, it doesn't mean that God is absent. It doesn't mean that he can't do something amazing. Because as we read through, and we don't have time to, but in Ruth chapter 2 and chapter 3, God begins a redeeming work in Ruth's life, in Naomi's life. It's an amazing story, to be honest. Despite the circumstances, God gives Naomi a daughter-in-law who's actually worth more than seven sons, the scripture says. And she marries a man named Boaz. And Ruth and Boaz are, God begins to redeem Boaz's life and Ruth's life. And Naomi begins to get a taste that he is redeeming her life as well, providing for her and caring for her through her redeemer, Boaz. Look at Ruth chapter four, if you want. The end of this story, verse 13, it says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, this is what the women said. Remember the women said, Naomi. And she said, no, my name is Mara. Verse 14, the women said to who? Naomi, they're calling her pleasant one again. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you to this day without a redeemer. And as his name be renowned in Israel, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the woman of the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. And this redemption that God was beginning to work even through her bitterness and her circumstances was through her faithful daughter-in-law, Ruth, who was married to Boaz, and through that she was holding this baby. And I don't even know if she realized when she was holding this baby in Bethlehem that there would be another woman centuries from now holding another baby in Bethlehem in her line. Her great, great, great grandkids would be holding a baby in Bethlehem who would one day redeem the whole world. Wonder if she knew that. Wonder if she knew that that God had brought all of these things about, that all of this had led to this moment where he was not just redeeming her, he wasn't just redeeming Ruth, he wasn't just redeeming Boaz, he was redeeming the world through their line, their lineage. I wonder if she thought, I wonder if she remembered, I wonder if she recognized. And here's a thought for you and I today. What if God is working through your circumstances, not only to redeem you, but to redeem something or someone much more than you? What if God is working through your mara, through the bitterness or through the difficult things that you've had to walk through, whether it's been legitimate or illegitimate or failures or whatever it is that you've had to walk through? What if God has an idea to redeem more than just you? I was thinking about this this weekend when I met a woman named Ramona. I want to introduce Ramona to you. Ramona is a woman that I met, her and her husband, pastor in Mexico. This is her, Ramona and her husband, Vincent. And she began to, they began to tell me their story. Fascinating. As uh, her husband grew up the son of a craftsman, he was a very skilled craftsman and he made idols. 
And his dad would send him out to sell these idols in the community. Matter of fact, his dad was not just a skilled craftsman, he was also very violent. And he would beat up those around him. He would use violence to bring power and authority over people and even over his family. And this was the environment that her husband, Vincent, grew up in. And so he began to become a violent man himself. And as he was a violent man early on, he decided that he could make money off of his violence. He was hired by local mafia to be a hitman, use his violence for work and to make money. He was not just violent in his work or vocation, he was also violent in the home with Ramona, who he married at 15 years old. He hated God, he didn't like God, obviously. He was not a, a man of faith, but she was a woman of faith. And she prayed daily for him. She prayed daily for him and she went to church and sometimes when she went to church and she prayed, he didn't like it and she got beat up because of it. But that didn't stop her and she would shake her fist at him and say, God is gonna do something with your life. <laughs> he would take the Bible, he would tell, and he told me this story. He would rip out a page of the Bible, put in a marijuana, put him in marijuana, rolled up a marijuana cigarette, lit it, and laughed at God and laughed at her. And she said, on this day, she said, your life's not gonna get to go well with you. So in a matter of weeks, the hitman became the man on the hit list. As different people tried to come and take him out. One almost successfully did, stabbing him in the back, puncturing his lung, leaving him for dead. That moment in his life, trying to recover in their little home, trying to recover from his wounds, his kids were sent out trying to beg for food and for water just to survive. In that moment, he prayed with Ramona the first time he'd ever prayed, and he prayed, God, if you will heal me, I'll give half my money to the poor, and I'll give half my money to take care of my family the rest of my life. Subsequently, they went into a church where he received prayer and was instantaneously healed. Amazed, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He converted, gave his heart and life to Jesus, repented of his sins. And in that moment, he began to tell everyone about how God heals and how he does these things. And Ramona couldn't believe it because so many years she had prayed. So many years she had bitter circumstances. She could have easily said, I am Mara. My life is bitter. My circumstances are bitter. But instead, with courage and faith, believing that God had a purpose for her husband. God had a purpose for their family. God had a purpose for her life. She continued to stay in faith and pray. And she said, my biggest prayer, in her own words, my biggest prayer is that God would change my husband's heart and that he would make him a man who cares for his family and cares for those in need. And that's exactly what they became. God began to restore their her, restore her husband, restore their marriage. And as I listened to their story and I walked around their place, he had more than just them in mind. Because as they began to follow Jesus and tell everyone, they began to become pastors and pastor other people and help them out and serve other people. And now they pastor a church, an orphanage, a halfway house for men. They take care of 16 other kids outside of the RMC. 
God was planning to redeem more than just her. When we pray, when we go to God, and we're in the middle of our circumstances, it seems all about us. It seems exactly about us and what we're going through at the moment. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't always make sense. I get all of that, no matter everyone's gone through difficult things. But here's what I want to propose to you. That God wants to redeem more than just you. As difficult as that decade was for Naomi, man, she still did not bring others down with her. She, she was, she had angst towards the Lord. There was issues there towards the Lord, naturally so. But God was working behind the scenes, redeeming not only her, but was redeeming her Ruth, her sister, her, her daughter-in-law, redeeming Boaz. He was beginning to redeem a, a, a whole, whole world through the line would eventually come the savior of the world, Jesus. What if your circumstances aren't just about you, but it's about something more, something bigger, something greater? What if God wants to redeem your family? He wants to redeem your kids. He is in, he's going to redeem your marriage or your husband. He's going to redeem these things. If you give him trust and put your faith and your hope in him, because he loves you and there's something about bitter circumstances there's something about those things that just make us feel alone I get it maybe you've been through trauma you've been through difficulty maybe just life isn't really fun for you right now you're just in a season it's just ugh don't believe the lie don't believe the lie that God's abandoned you and he doesn't love you. Because let me tell you, he's always working behind the scenes. He's putting things together. As you pray, as you cry out to him, he's knitting things together to redeem not just you and not just your family, but more than you can possibly imagine. He's doing it. Remember last year, I decided to do away with Hallmark cards. I think they're from the devil. Greeting card, all greeting cards are from the devil. This was inspired by a close friend that attends this church. I just, you know, year after year you go pick out these things and everybody's there and you're fighting for the good one, that one good one. I said, no, so I started last couple years, last year or so just making cards and so I went up for Kayla's birthday last year to make cards and all the kids were upstairs making cards. They were kind of making cards. I was making a card, I was writing a little poem for her, you know. It was really cheesy, but it was, it was original, all right? Didn't pay crazy Hallmark to do it for $2.50. I did it. Come on, somebody, give me this credit. <laughs> so she's down there like alone, you know, the night before her birthday, she's like, where are all the kids? Where's Daniel? Like, well, we're up here. Don't come up here. You stay down there. And if she was not perceptive, she could go, man, here I am alone. This is my birthday. Nobody cares about it. Nobody loves me. All the while, her whole family's preparing upstairs to show her how much we love her the next day. What if in your circumstances, God's not absent? What if he is preparing to show you his love for you? 
He's getting ready to show how he's gonna come through with that prayer you've been praying every night, every morning, every day. That prayer for your kid, the prayer for your family, the prayer for your business, the prayer, whatever. He's just, you just keep on praying. God's saying, I can't wait until I come. I can't wait until I get to show what I've got planned because I'm gonna redeem more than just you. I'm gonna redeem much more than you can see. Here's what I wanna do. As Rachel and the team come up, they're going to sing this song. And as they sing this song, I want you to just take a moment to reflect on some of the circumstances in your life. Maybe some of the bitter, difficult circumstances in your life and go, God, ask him. And during this song, where do you want me to step out in faith? How do you want me to continue to have faith and believe? Father, would you just help us in this moment? We ask you, God. I thank you for the amazing men and women that are here today. God, I thank you for their grace, their love for you. And Father, I just pray that no matter what their circumstances, God, that you would do an amazing work. Father, you would remind them that you have not left them, you have not abandoned them. Just like Naomi, you did not leave her, you did not abandon her, you were divinely placing her for your purpose. Father, just like Ramona, Father, you were hearing every one of her prayers, as difficult as it was, and you were working on the other side to bring about redemption and reconciliation. And Father, I just pray that right now, as we pray, as we lift up, and we think about our circumstances, God, that you would begin a new work in us. Fill us with hope. Fill us with grace. In the name of Jesus.